0: Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Good morning, South Valley. It is a great day, a brand new day to be together and give praise to the Lord. As we're gathering in our homes across the area, we just want you to join us, give praise to God for what He is doing. He is a great, mighty God, and He loves us, so let's give Him praise. Come on. and we continue to worship, we want to give God some praise and just raise a hallelujah. So I want you to raise the roof where you are as we sing praise to God. Come on. I raise a hallelujah. In the presence of my enemy Call. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you and we exalt you. Thank you for a brand new day. Help us to rejoice and be glad in the opportunity of a new day to take you in. As we have raised our voices to give you praise, Lord, allow you to move this morning, calm our hearts, calm our spirits, and let us spend time with you, Lord. Speak to us as only you can. I pray for every heart who's hearing this message today, Lord. That you would draw them to you, Lord. Lives would be impacted and reminded that you are a God who sits on the throne for all time. Worthy of praise in all circumstances and situations. Sees all things, controls all things. So help us grow in our faith and understanding of who you are today. As we look into your word, Lord. I pray that lives would be changed and impacted by your hand. Those who don't know Christ, Lord, would come to want to know the love of your Son and the love you have for them, Lord. So we pray for hearts to be changed today, hearts to be brought to you, Lord. All this we ask in your name. Amen.
1: everyone thank you so much for joining us today on SBCC online welcome to my office got my swivel chair going on got my like pinteresty shelf and then i got that mirror that's got like stuff and stuff and then this lamp that i obviously like blend in with because the bulbs are very shiny just like my dome but anyway i digress thank you so much for joining us today we just want to tell y'all that we love you And if you're joining us for the first time, we love you too. Thank you so much for taking time out of y'all's day to connect with us. Wanted to make sure that you guys are well-informed as to what's happening in the life of the church. We're going to take a few moments to run down a few things that are coming up. First of all, our physical building remains closed. And that is all in an effort to be good and loving neighbors to our community. And so, while that is the case, we also understand that the church is not the building, it's the people. And we have heard the cries of the people because there are cries too. We want to be able to have some sort of outlet for fellowship and worship. And so, the staff is currently working on a monthly gathering that would take place outside where we'd be able to worship and sing to the Lord. Engage in things such as communion and then also just to be able to see each other because we miss you. And so we are working on that. If you just wouldn't mind just uh, praying for us as we navigate what that looks like, and we'll make sure to get you information as soon as possible. We'll be making announcements online and through our social media and other communication channels as well. Also, speaking of online services, currently what we're doing is we are pre recording our messages each week and we are putting them online. For people to see on Sunday mornings. Well, toward the end of this month and the beginning of September around Labor Day, we're hopefully gonna be making the transition from the pre recorded to the live broadcast uh, approach to Sunday services. So that's all in an effort to try to. Have some uh, different types of engagement and to make sure that we're offering some different components during the Sunday morning experience that will hopefully bless you and, again, help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And then... Another way that we're really wanting to make sure that people are growing in their faith and connecting with other people is to give some small group opportunities, specifically through what we call Rooted. We had a Rooted semester earlier this year, and we're offering another one in the fall all the way through to about Thanksgiving time, and it's going to be a virtual Rooted experience. So essentially what Rooted is, is it's a 10-week small group experience that focuses on getting people into small groups and wading through the, there are seven disciplines that are essential to the Christian walk. It's an excellent study. It's one that has made an impact in my life and the lives of many that uh, I know who have taken the study. And so we are going to be offering that again in a virtual format. And so it'll be along the lines of Zoom meetings and things like that. And so if that's something that uh, rests on your heart and something that you're excited about in terms of growing your relationship and having some means of connection and growth in your uh, your disciplines, your spiritual disciplines, we would love to have you for that. And so we're going to be pushing out some announcements and all that fun stuff in terms of what's going to happen with that and how to sign up for that uh, here in the next couple weeks toward the end of the month all right so that being said y'all we are so glad that you can join us if you are part of the SVCC family we want to thank you again just for the continued giving and support and uh, that you've given during this time if you want to continue to give you can go to svcc. or org. almost messed that up y'all you can click on the Donate tab at the top, and you can give your offering there, or you can drop off your offering at the church office in front of the church. righty. right now we have uh, Thomas Curtis, who's going to come up and give you some information with regard to our pastoral search team, and there's some exciting things happening there, and so I'm going to pass it on over to him. You guys have an amazing day, and stay awesome, because you are awesome. We'll see you. Bye.
2: Hey, good morning, South Valley. Thomas Curtis here. I wanted to give you guys an update of where we are in our pastoral search. First off, thank you guys so much for your prayers. Uh, We feel them. Please keep them coming. I wanted to let you guys know that we are down to one candidate. Woo! Praise Jesus. And so over the next few weeks, what that looks like is we're gonna be interviewing the candidate multiple times. And normally we have a candidate weekend where the candidate comes and preaches. Uh, But obviously with COVID, uh, that changes things. And we're gonna keep you guys updated as soon as uh, we have any information, but please keep us in your prayers and thank you. Well, that was good news from Thomas and the Pastoral Search team. We're excited, we're praying, and we're trusting that in the next few weeks, uh, this proceeds to uh, the church endorsing the candidate, and and you senior pastor arrives here early in the fall. That's our prayer, and we're trusting God for that. But... uh, Welcome to this preach, and we're going to get to these stones and these vases. Wait a minute, you guys say vases. I'm going to get that wrong the next few hours, okay? Uh, But these vases or vases later on in the preach. But let's get started as we continue on the series, Mastering the Art of Living and Learning from the Teachings of uh, the Little Letter to James, written by James at the end of the New Testament. And a big thank you to Pastor Frank, who preached the last two Sundays Uh, I was away working. Working on my suntan didn't really work very well, but I'm uh, grateful for Pastor Frank and his teachings. Uh, it was college graduation day, and mom was trying to take a picture of their son in a cap and a gown posing with his father. And she says, I want a good picture, so so try to make this look natural, she said. Son, put your arm around your dad's shoulder. And the father quickly replied, hey, if you want it to look natural, why don't you have him put his hand in my pocket? <laughs> yeah, see, again, sometimes we just need an audience for these kind of jokes, okay? So, so, so here's this major event in the life of every young person, whether it's a graduating from high school or from college, university. And money is spent and photographs are taken and the family travel. This was obviously pre-COVID days. And this is an historic moment, uh, a crossroads in their life. And as you sit there, uh, you're about to take your life on a new adventure. Normally at a graduation ceremony, an invited guest walks to the podium and gives the commencement speech. And if it's high school, normally it's probably the wise principal or a senior educator. But if it's a college Politicians line up for this honor. Sitting and past presidents are rolled out every year. World renowned authors and senior business leaders all seek invites to stand before fresh, energetic, enthusiastic, ambitious young people and speak words of wisdom as they commence the next stage of their lives. It's a huge moment. In fact, why don't you just take a moment in your home or wherever you're listening to this and and turn to the person next to you, maybe your kids or or turn to your spouse and and share who spoke at your high school or college graduation and what words of wisdom did you receive at that momentous moment in your life? Anybody remember? (laughs) Say, say, Say it was you and you had the chance to give graduating students 10 minutes worth of wisdom for living, what would you tell them? Can you remember the infamous Kurt Vonnegut's MIT commencement address scam? Ladies and gentlemen of the class of 97, wear sunscreen. It got me thinking. Here, here's this major moment, a chance to give the best advice to steer graduating students, and all we get is wear sunscreen. But, but then maybe, maybe that is good wisdom. Maybe we've, raised, maybe we've made wisdom too big or too grand or too unattainable. Maybe wisdom is something near, something simple, something doable. Uh, uh, Listen to some of the further potential wisdom that that speech imparted, remembering that later on we found it was a scam, okay? Uh, Do one thing every day that scares you. (laughs) maybe that's not the best wisdom for high school graduates, okay? By just being teenagers, they do something every day that normally scares us, okay? Then it went on. Floss, stretch, get plenty of calcium. Be kind to your knees. You'll miss them when they're gone. Read the directions, even if you don't follow them. Do not read beauty magazines accept inalienable truths. Prices will rise. Don't mess too much with your hair, or by the time you're 40, it will look 85. And as I listened to all this seemingly grandfatherly wisdom that this speech imparted, I was with them until it came to this line. Your choices are half chance, so are everybody else's. Now, I guess this is how most of us live. But by surrendering to the reality that our choices are half chances, we have surrendered by more than half that we will never live life mastering the art of living we're in this series uh, opening up the Bible, and in particular, the the lively, punchy little book called The Letter of James to find wisdom, to find truth in how we live life the way it can be lived. And this morning, I want to look at the question about choice. On the surface, life would seem to revolve around choices. Uh, Like, wise old Dumbledore turned to the young Harry Potter and said, it's our choices that show who we truly are far more than our abilities. And there's wisdom in that. You've heard it said, your life is the sum total of all the choices you make. And that would seem right to say that. It would seem as right as a married couple walking into the pastor's office and telling the pastor that things are bad in their relationship, and after the pastor listens to them, he diagnoses that the problem is lack of communication. And for years, marriage counselors and pastors held this premise. The number one cause of marital breakdown is lack of communication. Most marriages stand or fall on this issue. But then something changed in the world of marriage counseling. An expert in communication by the name of Dr. John Gray He saw that the lack of communication was only the symptom. It sat on the surface. The problem was further in, and his famous book's title described the core problem. He wrote a book that most of us have read called, "'Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus.'" female pastor that I used to work with gave me this little bit of advice regarding the difference between men and women. To treat a woman, you have to wine her, dine her, Call her, hold her, surprise her, compliment her, smile at her, listen to her, laugh with her, cry with her, romance her, encourage her, believe in her, pray with her, cuddle her, shop with her, give her jewelry, buy her flowers, hold her hands, write love letters to her, go to the ends of the earth and back for her. To treat a man, don't block the TV. <laughs> Well, there's something else in that, but I can't say that publicly, okay? We are wired so differently. Charles and Barbara Snyder wrote a book called Incompatibility, Grounds for a Great Marriage, and they have this quote in it. When a man speaks, he gives you a piece of his mind. When a woman speaks, she gives you a piece of her heart. And here's the point as lack of communication is the surface expression of something deeper, further in, so poor choices, bad choices, wrong choices are the surface expression of something deeper, further in that's the cause of the problem. You Are not the sum total of your choices. On the surface, it might appear that way, but we've learned already in this series that we must always look deeper, further in. There's something beneath the surface. You live from the inside out. You are not the sum total of your choices. You are the sum total of your wisdom. So, Open your Bibles or your tablet or your phone to James chapter 3, and I want to read from verses 13 to 18, which in my Bible is uh, titled, Two Kinds of Wisdom. Listen to God's Word this morning. "'Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom.'" but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find dishonor and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. If we took the time to read further, we would read some dreadful words in James chapter 4. James, after writing about wisdom, goes on to talk about how people in his day seemed to end up too often fighting and quarreling. Now, I know it might be a struggle to relate to such behavior in our sophisticated, modern, educated society. This must have been something that only happened in the primitive dark ages. Huh. But James' writing that our fighting and our quarreling revolves not around the surface expression of the choices we've made, but it comes from something going on inside of us, and that something drives our choices. So he says in James chapter 4 verse 1, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? To master the art of living, part 6, you have to have the right stuff behind your choices. And that right stuff is what He was speaking about in chapter 3, wisdom that comes from heaven. So, let me talk a little bit about that and then show you how that works this morning. Wisdom means a lot to James. Well, it would. He was the half-brother of Jesus who was wisdom incarnate. Wisdom is not just knowing a lot. That's knowledge. You can have lots of knowledge, but not have wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to apply what you know. One writer puts it well when they say, being wise does not mean we understand everything that is going on, but that we do the right thing as life comes along. Alec Mottier is a theologian, a biblical scholar that I deeply appreciated. He passed away, unfortunately, uh, but, but he says these words, nothing is known until it reshapes your life or let me put it my way. Everything you know will shape your life, but only wisdom will reshape your life. So, James says, if in your soul you harbor bitter envy or selfish ambition, don't stick your life on a pedestal and say to people, look at my life, follow me, You don't have the right stuff behind your choices. It's earthly wisdom. It's going to shape your life, but not into something good. It will cause you to make poor choices. And remember, choices where sin dwells, wrong choices. Look at verse 16 of chapter 3. If you run with this kind of life, you'll find disorder. You'll create disorder. And this word is real interesting, okay? That word disorder, it's the noun form of the same word back in chapter 1, verse 18, or chapter 3, verse 8, to characters, uh, you know, the double-minded person and the double-talking tongue. It will lead you, it says, to restlessness and unsettledness. That's not the way to live that's the way of fighting and quarreling. It leads to divisiveness and and defensive self-concern and a divisive spirit. And, and, And how can you make right choices, wise choices, when the wisdom you're relying on is restless and unsettled? This wisdom doesn't know what it actually wants. That's what James is teaching. And how can that be wisdom? So, James Points us in the direction of a different kind of wisdom, not one that's double minded. Heavenly wisdom. Verse 17. And it's pure, it's not divided, it's not polluted, it's not got mixed motives, it's not of mutt form. Remember, the theme of oneness runs all the way through this letter. You cannot master the art of living if you are divided, if you're, if you're of double minds and double talk and double opinions. Let your faith and your works match. Don't say one thing and do another thing. Don't say, one day I'll go God's way, and then the next day, well, I'll go the way of my colleagues or the world. Don't one day value people the way that God sees them, and then the next day discriminate through the world lens. Be one. Your soul and your tongue must match. Your inner self and your outward self should be the same. Now, says James, here is a wisdom that is pure. It leads to trueness and to oneness of living. If you were to jump to chapter 4, in chapter 4, James describes the person living with earthly wisdom as an adulterer one person, but fooling around with another person. And in the context of James chapter 4, you are in relationship with God, but you're sleeping with the devil. (laughs) But let's, let's pull this back before I go down another path. We don't live from our choices. We live from the wisdom that causes us to make our choices two wisdoms. There is an earthly wisdom, and there is a heavenly wisdom. And so, I'm going to illustrate it for you, and it's maybe an illustration that you've seen, but I hope it's a good visual reminder of the difference between earthly and heavenly wisdom. And some, some, some years ago, I was invited to speak at a graduation ceremony, and I had my moment, uh, my 10 minutes, to give wisdom to the graduates as they headed out to commence the rest of their life. And this was the talk that I gave, my equivalent of wear sunscreen. And I urged the graduates, as I urge each of you watching this message, to choose the right wisdom to live by. So, let me illustrate it. In this jar, I'm going to show you how earthly wisdom works. Every day we make decisions small constant surface immediate immediate choices immediate decisions immediate results like what to wear, what to eat, what to do at the weekend, what, 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 what will I spend my $20 on, uh, will I share that gossip, will I work longer, or will I take time out, will I will I watch that PG-rated movie, or will I watch the R-rated movie, uh, h- how do I want other people to see me, uh, uh, what, what do I wear, what's my image like? Uh, we make these choices, and in earthly wisdom, they're small choices, they're small decisions, and we make them every day. And for many people who follow earthly wisdom, this, this is this is their first choice. This is of their first priority. They spend all their time and most of their day making these simple little decisions hour by hour, day by day, and just like fine sand. They're very simple, very quick to make. But for most people, that's how their life goes. That's what they focus on. That's the most important. And then they realize that life involves some more significant choices, bigger issues maybe that you make them less regularly, they're, they're medium-sized. So, so you've got some, some time issues that you've got to think through, or, or you've got some financial choices that you've got to make, or some health decisions, or, or some career choices to make, or, or education choices to make, or, or what do you do with, 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 with your money? And, and they place them second to all those other choices, and that's how they fill their life. They're working with the immediate, for immediate results, immediate satisfaction. And they do those first of priority. And then then they remember there's other decisions. That, and they get made, but they're made after those. And then, then there are the real big decisions, the big choices. The issues with, like, for instance, relationship with your spouse. Or relationship with your children. Or relationship with, your, you know… Uh, Uh, God and faith and and, and, and what does my life mean and, you know, where am I going with my life? And all of a sudden you realize that you get to the top and, and you can't get them all in the jar. They don't all fit in our life. And you've got so many other things in there of first priority that those bigger issues, those issues of major importance, they don't fit and your life is not complete earthly wisdom. Earthly wisdom says, start with the simple choices. Yeah, you'll do some, some of the other medium-sized choices, but see those big choices? You don't really think about them. They don't really guide your priorities or your principles. And, and <laughs> this leads to a life of envy, of, of wrong ambition, a life of disorder, as James writes about in chapter 3, verse 6, verse 6, 6, 6, 6 verse 6, verse 16. And, and I see it in the relationship and in the actions of thousands of people. And this doesn't just relate to choices of everyday matters or big, big, big faith matters. This can happen with regards to priorities or even with church issues. I see this happen in churches. That what's most important for some people in churches is all those little decisions about minor issues, about preferences of taste, and and and, 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 and you fill up your Christian life with, with minor issues, and you major on the minors. That's called legalism. And the core of our faith, that which unites us, the deity of Christ, the atoning death of Christ, the Trinity, the inspiration of God's Word, All of a sudden, our Christian faith hasn't got enough room to put them in because we've majored in all the minor things that are about me and my and my taste and my style. This is so much of the church in America today, and it's tragic. It is living with earthly wisdom, and it's missing heavenly wisdom. Because here's what heavenly wisdom looks like, and you know what I'm going to do. Heavenly wisdom is get your order correct. Get the foundation right. Take those big decisions of life, of faith, of God, of relationship. Put them in first. And then those secondary… Whoa, now that person with earthly wisdom throwing stones at me. Then begin to put in those other Significant, disi- dis- dis- significant choices, choices with regards to career or education or health, they also fit in, but they fit over issues of faith and God and purpose and meaning. And only after you've got those securely in your life do you begin to make all the other smaller decisions. What to do with your money, how to spend your time, what to wear what to eat what to look at what to watch what to do with gossip all those other decisions easily solved easily filled out easily your wisdom can apply contained within your life because you've got the right foundation heavenly wisdom this is mastering the art of living this Is not." Which one are you? Let's pray. So, God, we ask, we ask that You would help us examine our hearts. Have we made minor things majors, and our life is leading to discontent and envy and disorder and division? Or are we focused on the solid rock and building our life off of those things of first importance, Christ, His death, His salvation, the Word of God, and everything else finds its place in how we live? Help us, God, change what's wrong and remove the sand to make sure the core of our life are those large rocks of faith and trust and belief. Lead us forward, that we would be people who would act with heavenly wisdom and not be distorted by earthly wisdom. We ask this for the sake and the testimony of your church, for the health and the well-being of our lives, and for the witness of Jesus Christ, to a world that so needs His wisdom just now. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have a great week. Think through your wisdom, which leads to your choices. And I'll see you back online next Sunday for Mastering the Art of Living, Part 7. God bless.